Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. The fuck is in my pocket? Oh, my God. So, what up? Okay. What's going on? Oh. What's the dilly What the fuck isn't going on? Let's start there. Okay. Hang on. I gotta get my vape out. I got chapstick. Get the vape out. I can finally wear makeup again because there's no mask mandate. Yeah, you look beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I feel like a person. Yeah. Except my eye is twitching. Do you see it twitching? No. You'll have to look later. It's kind of freaky. My sunglasses are too dark. Yeah. I can barely see anything in here. I don't know how you can. They're dark as fuck. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sweet though. Yeah. So. Oakley's. Are they Oakley's? Yeah. From China. Yeah, so they're mm-hmm. cheap. I got yeah. them for like 20 bucks. I'm fucking down for that. The more you spend on them, the quicker you fucking lose them. I know, That's right? how I am. Oh, okay, so we'll just kind of get right to it, I yeah, guess. Because I, I have a feeling this is going to be a long one. Okay, so... I'm excited for it. I'm, like, angry. So, okay, this... Mark and I talked about doing this case when we first started doing the podcast... But we thought it was still open. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe a month ago, if that, Jess, my girl Jess, here's your shout out. I love you. Um, Dispatcher. She suggested it. Dispatcher Jess. Dispatcher Jess uh, suggested it, said that somebody at Westcom was asking. And explain what Westcom is. because I'm getting there. Okay. I'm, you told me not to interrupt you. Don't interrupt no, me. No, I know, but I just, you have a tendency to like. I know. Not explain things. Okay. So, Westcom, which will be brought up later, is a central communications dispatch center for multiple agencies, meaning it is the 911 call center for multiple towns, police, and fire departments. In Will County. In Will County. So there's a Westcom, there's a Norcom, which is like South Suburbs-ish. E- Ecom. There's Ecom, which we deal with. Yeah. There's Calcom, which we deal with. So it's just, it's a consolidation of multiple towns and cities. Right. In the Chicago suburbs right. of Cook County and Will County as well. Right. So Westcom is... It's Will County. They do, um, I had it written down. They do uh, Shanahan, Bolingbrook, Romeoville, Shorewood, Troy, and I think they do Plainfield. They do do Plainfield. So those are the towns in Illinois around here that they do. Yeah. So they. So this is very local. This is us. very local. Like. Talking to people about this case, like, we know people who know people who went to school with people I worked with. Like, this is, it's very close to home um, with Mark and I doing what we do, you know. We knew about this case when it happened. Yeah. So, it's it's a relatively recent case. It was 2018. Um, I, we, we heard about it when it fucking happened. So, I mean, we've been kind of, you know... And honestly, I'm surprised that it didn't get national attention because it is very close to a Drew Peterson. It is fucking bananas. And it's funny that you say that because I'm going to bring him up later. I mean, it's the same dealing. Yeah. You have a dispatcher, you have a cop, Mm -hmm. and shit went wrong, and 
I'm surprised it didn't like even the Chicago Sun Times and Tribune like very yeah little almost nothing yeah the only the only real paper that did anything was the Joliet Patch which is just a little newspaper in this area it was actually the same reporter his name is John Farrick who we've reached out to yeah so because I I could have done research on this case for another week to be honest with you so that's I mean that's what's taken us so long because I kept finding more new things and I'm like I like I can't like because we were gonna record Saturday yeah and you I just couldn't kept, do it. Yeah, you and kept finding more. Even tonight, I was like, ah, like I could, I could do more. So I'm going to do the best I can. If it's choppy, I apologize. Um, the thing is, is that a lot of it jumps around a lot, and a lot of information comes out later than you would think it would come out. So if it seems like I'm jumping around, that would be why. I'm going to try and go chronological as much as I can. Um, but it's kind of hard because yeah. I legitimately don't understand how this investigation went the way that it went. I it's, don't. It's a complete fucking mess. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not going to be nice about it. I'm not like, either. It, the investigation was absolute horseshit. It was. So, it, it, th- there's literally no other way around it for whatever reason i god only knows this it it was a shit show a shit show and i i want to be brutally honest about it and i want to be as blunt as i can be because honestly i want this to get to people who need to fucking hear it yeah this case should be reopened without a doubt a hundred fucking percent. I mean, and I'm, I'm going to try to explain the best I can with my background, like what these guys did, how it's fucked up and what my task force would have done or what I would have done as a detective. Because just hearing it, you know, I went over this with, with Jamie and it's just, it pissed me off too. Like I'm thinking how the fuck how did this fly? Like, I, it just, I, I'd be embarrassed I, if, if I was on this investigation. I mean, it's fucking terrible. It's... I, the. I don't think this is a word, but... The blatant disregard for actual police work... Yeah. Is... And I, I think I know why. Well, you, know. you think you know why. But then I've actually talked to people, and I think it's a different reason. Hmm. Yeah, so it, it, it's going to be a little choppy. Um, you're going to hear a lot of Mark, which is good, because I want him, like, I'm going to read what they did, and Mark's going to tell you why they fucked up and how they fucked up. And I, I hope I explain it right. I'm going to do my best. I apologize, like, if my words get, you know... We both have broken brains, whatever. (laughs) We'll help each other out. You know, I'm going to do my best with my brain injury, so. But this girl, her name is Samantha Herrer, and she needs justice. And I don't mean to sound like a a stereotypical, like, 
she needs fucking justice. They, they did her wrong. They did her family wrong. Her, her poor parents, like her friends. Yeah. It's horrifying. Horrifying. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I get even some of the angry, even some of the stuff. If you're a lay person and you don't know, I, I guarantee you're still going to be like, why, why did they Helen motherfucking Keller could yeah. have seen what, why did the they do ups. that? And what, what, what are they doing? Right. And here's the thing. Obviously we are pro police. We right. are a police family, right. but what's wrong is wrong. Yeah. And you it's going to be called out. And I don't give a shit. This reporter for the patch, it he just started, so he was on it. Yeah. On it. And just in the last two months, he's been starting to put out articles once a week again. And we actually reached out to him and let him know, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast. We want to get it out to as many people as possible. Yeah. Because this, it needs to be reopened. It needs to be talked about. Her name needs to be heard. It's... A lot of stereotypes play into factor here, yeah. which is bullshit. Yeah. It's just, it's a sad story all around. It really so is. We we should just jump right into yeah. it because I guarantee this is probably going to be a little bit longer. Yeah. All right. So, hang on, let me move my shit. Okay. So, we'll start, we're actually going to start in uh, February 6th of 2016. Okay. Uh, 30-year-old Kristen Kurtz was out at a bar called Bobby's Tap in Joliet having a few drinks when her friend and former roommate, Philippe Phil Flores, walked in. Philippe. Philippe. That's his name. Philippe. I like that. Um, Hello, the, Philippe. The two had met um, in high school, and they actually went to Joliet West. Hmm. Um, Flores had been married Previously, in October of 2005, separated in 2006, and divorced in 2007. There's nothing about his previous wife, and I don't fucking blame her. I wouldn't want to be associated either. Mm -hmm. Um, During their marriage, he was actually deployed to Iraq um, Camp Fallujah. Mm -hmm. Does that... Is that right? Um, For two separate tours, 10 months apiece. Mm. So, I mean, that'll fuck you. Yeah. So, yeah, well, um, at some point after that, he needed a place to stay. So him and Kristen became roommates. Um, the situation ended badly. Don't know why. Um, and Phil used the opportunity of seeing Kristen at the bar that night to apologize for his behavior when they lived together. Neither one of the, uh, he's not, he doesn't talk to anybody, but she didn't really elaborate on his behavior. Yeah. Um, when they decided to call it a night, Phil told Kristen he was going to follow her home to make sure that she got home okay. Um, he ended up crashing at her house because they got there and she's like, it's late, you've been drinking, go upstairs, guest room. Cool. Um, excuse me, Kristen went to bed, passed out. She woke up sometime later. Um, she was groggy. She thought she was dreaming because she found uh, Flores on top of her sexually assaulting her. Jesus. So she yelled at him, no, and to get off. And his only response was, well, now I'm going to have fucking blue balls. That's a quote. That's a fucking quote. Wow, what a shitbag. Yeah. So uh, she was like, it's not my fucking problem. Get get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. So she didn't, she wasn't sure if she wanted to report it. Mm-hmm. Which, Which most women... 
Right. You On know. top of the fact that he he's a cop. Yeah. In the town she lives in. Right. So she says, quote, I was so upset I could not even process what had happened. I was afraid because Phil is a police officer in the city I live in. I thought the police would do nothing for me. I tried to forget what happened. Somebody said something to me and it triggered something and I knew I had to do something and report this. Now, this is her actual name. She gave the patch permission in uh, 2018 to publish her name. Um, She said that she feared for her safety because Phil had guns. Yeah. Um, she was afraid to stay in her own home and she had bought a camera for her house. Uh, in March, she decided to report it. She went to the Crest Hill, uh, police department and brought a friend of hers with her who happened to be a high ranking official with the Joliet police department. Oh, really? So clearly she's not bullshitting. Yeah. So, um, she told them that she wanted to file a formal complaint and a wanted a sexual assault charge against uh, Flores. She also filed a protection order that was ultimately served to Flores at the Crest Hill Police Department. Wow. Um, he was pulled from the street and placed on administrative leave, paid. Um, Crest Hill asked the Illinois State Police District 5 in Lockport, right, mm-hmm. to investigate, obviously. Um, Crest Hill would later be quoted in a separate interview saying that whenever there's a complaint regarding a an active duty officer, they pull in a third-party agency. Which is so, proper for most. what they should do. Yeah, right. which most apartments do. So the prosecutors ended up telling her that um, her previous friendship with him would hinder the possibility of a conviction. And there's about an 80% chance that he's going to get off. Who said that? The prosecutors, the state's attorneys. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, So months later, the Will County State's Attorney's Office informed Kristen that no charges were going to be filed. Uh, Flores ultimately was cleared of the rape allegation and kept on the PD and put back on patrol. Well, because essentially you just have he said versus Mm, she mm, said. So, mm. of course, that's... Now... They did give him uh, um, a 30-day unpaid suspension Okay. based off of the offenses regarding the alcohol involved that night. Oh, really? He publicly was drinking, which yeah. is, okay, whatever. Um, but he knowingly and willingly and very publicly got into a vehicle and drove intoxicated. Well, at least they did something. Um, they thought... He, he had an alcohol problem. Yeah. They made him um, sign an agreement, basically, that he wouldn't drink for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it did. He didn't, well, yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, so he, he was then, again, put on patrol. No incident. Um, so at this time, Samantha Herrer probably had no fucking idea what was going on, because at that time, she was attending the University of St. Francis in Joliet. Uh, she was a, about 21 years old. Um, I don't know a lot about her, like, childhood, and I really like to talk about her child, you know, like their yeah. upbringing, and I couldn't find a lot about it. Um, and we did try to reach out to her parents. Right. And a family friend answered. and It was pretty they, much like you have all the yeah, information. Yeah, the, the family's not talking because they have... An, ongoing, an active lawsuit. Yeah, they have an ongoing law, lawsuit. And the family friend basically just, you know, she said, I, I apologize. I want to give right. what I can. 
you know, I, I like that you guys are doing this. Yeah. But, you know, basically all I can say is she would give you the shirt off her back. Right. So um, she grew up in Shanahan and she ended up doing an internship with Shanahan Police Department. So earmark that because it's going to come back. Uh, in May of 2016, she graduated with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Hmm. In the beginning of 2017, Samantha became a 911 dispatcher with Westcom. Now, I will say that I did speak to people who knew her personally. Um, she was, she was, a, she was a good kid. She had her head on straight. She knew what she wanted to do. She was going for it. Yeah, she had a good um, job at a young age. And from everything that I've heard, she was a phenomenal dispatcher. Oh, really? Phenomenal dispatcher. They're hard to come by. They they really are. And oh. she was she was just a great dispatcher. She got along with everybody. She worked days. Um, of, I don't know. I I won't say it just in case. I don't what? Know. I about Jess. I don't want to say it. Um, okay. I don't think she'll mind. She so just worked at Westcom. She was working nights yeah. while Samantha was working days. So she didn't know her, but she knew people who worked with her. So just right. didn't really comment on her. But I did, like I said, talk to people who who knew her well, who hung out with her outside of work. Yeah. Um, the one thing about her too. So a uh, Plainfield officer one day brought in a kitten, and yeah. they're not supposed to. They're supposed to go to the pound. Yeah. She kept the kitten, so she mm. named him Salem. And she found a store in Australia that would custom make collars. Really? So she had collars for Salem, and she changed his collar once a week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think, like, I'm not a cat lover. I'm not either, what? but they had, like, bells and his name engraved on them, and, oh, like, they were great fucking collars. Amazing. Yeah. But she was very particular about the collars. Okay. He had to have a collar. Yeah. Earmark that. It's coming back later. Um, so just from news articles that I've read, uh, per her parents, Samantha was regarded as one of the hardest working and most dependable dispatchers at Westcom. Coworkers said she was good at her job, dedicated, saying, quote, the job was her life. And that was straight, a quote, to me, straight to me. Um, in May, uh, end of May, beginning of June of 2017, Samantha met and began dating Phil Flores, who at the time was 10 years her senior. They met through a mutual friend who was a Wilmington police officer. Um, It was a female officer. Normally, I wouldn't point that out, but there's a reason I'm pointing it out. So in June of 2017, they had their first date at the Grundy County Speedway in Morris, and it was a double date with the Wilmington police officer and her Crest Hill police officer boyfriend. Um, The date went well. They ended up hanging out all weekend and going to a uh, Jason Aldean concert. Hmm. Um, when asked if this was the start of their romantic relationship, Flores answered, I wouldn't say romantic, but we went on a few dates. I held her hand at the concert. I gave her a kiss on the forehead. I liked her. At the time, Phil lived with his ex-father-in-law. His ex-father-in-law? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, that's a weird living situation. Uh, well, he's a weird fucking guy. Hmm. I Um, Samantha had her own place in Shanahan, so he would stay with her more times than not. Yeah. Um, he'd been with the Crest Hill Police Department since January 3rd of 2012. Prior to this, he had no, uh, police experience. Okay. He worked a series of menial, low-paying jobs, um, 
after his deployment. Yeah. Um, and when he was filling out the application, he did mark on the application that his driver's license had been suspended in 2009, uh, citing the insurance lapse from his deployment, okay. which makes sense. Oops. Not okay. a big deal. Um, so when Flores was going through the hiring process, he actually failed the psyche valve. Okay. He said that he failed the psyche valve due to his driving infractions, driving citations. What does that have to do with psych? Not a motherfucking thing. Do you want to know and how he, it has to do with psych? What? We'll get there. Um, and, and he's still hired, even though he fails this. Exactly. Dude, that's... That's, that's red flag pro- number one. That, that's a problem right off the fucking mm-hmm. bat. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Whoever hired him... Shame on you. I'll tell you who hired him. So. That, that's um, a red flag up the fucking butt right there. So he would later testify to this in a federal deposition in December of 2020. So see how things kind of. Yeah. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Um, Flores stated that Chief Dwayne Wilkerson told him that he was not recommended for hire, quote, because of my traffic citations. Uh. So you would think, okay, what, there's like two? No, there was 11. But. (laughs) um, Yeah, that's. uh, And then. Do you know when when I was hired at my place, uh, the guys gave me shit, the guys that hired me, because I had two parking tickets. Wow. They gave me a lot of shit about it. Not a lot of them know how to drive very well out there either. <laughs> I'm just saying, so, I had to throw that in. But 11 infractions? 11 citations. And then he's asked, did you make the chief aware that some of those citations were from driving under the influence? Oh. He said, yeah, I told him. He asked me if I learned from it. I told him, yeah. Well, shame on the chief for not looking into yeah. it. Here's another thing. He was then asked, quote, and were you were also below average in your mental abilities, correct? To which he responded, I don't know. So now I wanted to ask you. Oh, and then he says, did they tell you your scoring on your quanti- quantitative reasoning and verbal reasoning? And Flores said no. So my question is, do you get the results of your testing when you test for departments? Ooh. See, it's in Illinois, things have changed mm-hmm. since I, I, I mean, this is going 16 years back. because we're old as balls. Yeah. yeah. So when I started testing in 03. Oh my God, we are old. Yeah, Fuck. In 03 <laughs> and 04, the testing process was different. And yeah. the physical agility test was yeah. different. Like you, now like for physical. For the physical agility test, you get a card, and it's good for like a month or so. What? Yeah, it's real weird. Like before, like departments would put out like, "Hey, we're hire, we're, yeah. we're testing," and it was a physical agility. You went through their test. process, right? Yeah, it was a f- physical agility test and a written. If you pass that, then you went on to the psych. If you, you know, did good, you know, pass the psych, you'd go on to the poly, and it would keep going. So, I don't know. I tested for, hmm, five departments, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I, 
don't quote me on this, but I think the only results that I got back was from Chicago PD. You tested for Chicago? I did. You know, do you remember the second? Okay, so now the second time that you were going to test for Chicago? Do you remember you skipped the test? Yeah. Do you remember why? No. Leah had a pancake breakfast at her preschool, and she asked you to go. Oh, really? So you skipped it. Uh, well, yeah. the the first time I passed the written, and I turned it down because I had already heard from the one department that I first started with, and I was already going through the academy. Now, the thing, too, okay, so uh, people who are in the fire and police service, if they want you to pass your poly, you're going to pass it. Mm-hmm. If they want you to pass your psych eval, you're going to pass it. It's It's dependent on the person doing the evaluation. I mean, yeah. you you may get asked the same questions for two different departments and pass one and fail another. I, Out of the five, I failed one of them. And it was for a shit town, I'll tell you later. But I actually failed for them. What's What are you doing? Nothing. Laura just sent me something. Um, so he goes on, to, you know, they asked him again. Um Quote, did Crest Hill nonetheless offer you a position with the Crest Hill Police Department despite the fact uh, that the individual who did your psych evaluation recommended that you not be given a position? And he says, yes, I was given a position. Um, Flora said that Chief Wilkerson explained to him that none of his traffic citations were serious, and this is when they brought up the driving while intoxicated infractions. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, none of them resulted in convictions. Okay. So, um, Samantha's parents, Kevin and Heather Herrer, who um, they live in Minooka, said that she had previously dated a few other guys, but nothing super serious and didn't have a lot of dating experience. She was young. She was like 22 when they met. Yeah, and busy with school. Right. So, um, they didn't think that uh, Samantha knew of the previous rape allegations when she started dating him. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom said, quote, I think she thought he cared about, um, I think she thought he cared about her. My daughter is no dummy, but she would have run from the hills if she would have known that he was accused of something as um, heinous as rape. Now, I uh, think most women yeah, would. Yeah. It does come up in conversation much later her and a friend are driving with flores to uh i believe it was a cubs game and he was he had road rage he was motherfucking everybody and then brought this up really but the friend said that samantha was just kind of ignoring it because she was madly in love so i mean women do that yeah men do it too yeah you know true so love is a motherfucker it is um, so their relationship was tumultuous at, at best, really from the beginning. They went from zero to a hundred pretty fucking quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the couple went on vacation together to Arizona the September after they started dating. In the middle of the vacation, uh, props to AZ, by the right? way. Right? Like, how do you fight there? Oh, man. That's um, heaven on earth. So. In the middle of the vacation, Samantha contacted her parents to get a one way ticket back home. Uh, They had gotten into a fight, and she had locked herself in the bathroom. Her mom says, quote, I got the impression that he was being manipulative, and he had scared her and demeaned her, 
My daughter was crying when she told me this. Which cops are great at doing. Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I'm not trying to be honest. It, it Later on, he's asked, what were you fighting about in Arizona? And he's like, I don't know. She just got mad at me. And the attorney her parents have now. <laughs> yeah. They, she rips him the fuck apart, which is awesome. She's like, cool. So you're an angel. And don't do anything wrong. And she just gets mad for no reason. And he's like, yeah. Oh, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. So not long after that conversation, though, with her parents, she called them back and said everything was fine. They had worked it out. Um, they patched things up and finished the last couple days of their trip. Um, her parents call him manipulative in almost every article. Mm-hmm. Um the people that I spoke to said that he was manipulative. Um, it was pretty common knowledge um, that he went through her phone and her iPad to check her contacts and her messages. Yeah. Um, he would later admit to, quote, seeing her messages, but would essentially deny actually going through her shit. So at one point, he says that her Apple Watch was laying out, and he saw the messages on her watch. And another interview, he says that her laptop was open, and he saw the message pop up. Uh, Fuck you, first of all, because who leaves their laptop open when they leave the house? Right. Cool. Um, Two, she usually brought her laptop to work with her. Yeah. He's he's checking her shit. Oh, yeah. hundred fucking percent. Um fuck i don't have time for that shit I th- our passcodes for our phones are the same <laughs> it's the same passcode babe if someone wants to take you I, <laughs> can we get pancakes like I, for real our for real though like our passcodes for our phones are they're, they're, they're the, the same, same fucking passcode and i have to tell you all my passcodes because i fucking forget them right all. and i don't write my shit down so i have to tell you and yeah. then you don't remember and i it's it's stupid yeah. now apparently they had each other's passcodes but you don't hear anything about her going through his phone right um he always had her phone so uh, for example, at one point, um, Samantha was visibly upset having a conversation with her parents because Flores had called her, uh, quote, a bad daughter because he read a message that she sent to her dad asking to borrow 20 bucks. And that makes you a bad daughter? Apparently. Okay. I'm a fucking asshole then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit. Um, another time he got pissed off after reading a text thread between her and her mom. Um, they were making plans to go get their nails done, and he right. was like, "We're supposed to go to the zoo." Mm. You're, are you seven? Right. <laughs> I need to get my shit done. I want to see the monkeys, and I want to get my toes done. Guess what wins? My toes. So, um, he would also often complain to Samantha about one of her best friends because mm. he would read the text, the text messages, obviously, and yeah. her best friend was like. Hey, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and apparently he didn't like reading that. Uh, um, to the point, like, she eventually told all of her friends and her parents to just not text her about him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, a college friend of Samantha, who had known her since 2014, was later interviewed 
Um, she was one of the friends being told not to text anything about Flores. Mm-hmm. Um, in her interview, she said, quote, and this is, so it's not quotes from her, it's quotes from the interview. Okay. So if does that make sense? Yeah. The way, okay. Um, there was more than one occasion where uh, Samantha would call her and say, quote, why aren't you texting me? And the friend, no name, would say that she was. The friend said they finally sat down and figured out that the texts were being deleted. Wow. Yeah. Um, and this was the best friend who was in the car when he was talking about the rape and the road rage. Yeah. So um, the friend said that around October of 2017, Samantha confronted Flores and he confessed that he had deleted the text messages because he didn't want the friend to have any contact with Samantha. Psycho. Because you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, around the same time, um, uh, I, I have a hard time saying her last name. I'm sorry. Um, Samantha expressed to her mom and that friend that she she wanted to break up with him. Yeah. Um, the friend told her the relationship was unhealthy all around and no one should ever be scared to date someone. Yeah, you think? Um, Samantha replied, are you ready? Oh, boy. Quote, if I break up with him, I hope it doesn't turn out like the Drew Peterson case. Oh, boy. I just got chills. I did, too. So. um, It was like a premonition. Yeah. And she didn't, she didn't know how to, to break it off. She's 23. He's 30-something. He's manipulative. He's fucking with her. She's terrified. Of course she doesn't. But in the same token, she loves him. So she doesn't. And he's a cop too. Right. There's. Yes. There's a. Yes. Yes. There's a pressure added to that. Yes. But I mean, and she she loved him. Yeah. So um, she knew she needed to break it off, would repeatedly say that, and then would repeatedly say that she needed a restraining order. Um, It comes out pretty soon that she needed a restraining order for a pretty good fucking reason. Um, So the pair eventually did break up in the beginning of December of 2017. The breakup only lasted eight days. Yeah. Um, December 3rd of 2017, Samantha was out at a bar in Plainfield with friends. Um, One of the friends happened to be a Plainfield CSO, which is community service officer, um, that Sam had been talking to. They were friends. Yeah. Okay. Um. While there, Samantha started receiving messages, I believe through Snapchat. Mm-hmm. These were messages and pictures of Flores in her apartment. Dude, what are you doing, man? <laughs> so what she ended fuck? up, she changed her locks. She got a code lock. Mm-hmm. He didn't know the code lock. He mm-hmm. got in anyway. Um, it later comes out that there is a forensic evidence that he did this all the fucking time. Really? All the time. When he saw her Apple Watch, she wasn't home. When he saw her laptop, she wasn't home. And what the fuck is he doing? Sniffing her panties? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, Whatever. So, a later investigation stated, quote, messages between Samantha and Philippe. Philippe. Dated December 3rd of 2017 that were recovered from Flores' phone. 
These messages are in regards to Flores finding out that Herrer is with a Plainfield Community Service Officer. This stream of messages correspond with statements provided by the Plainfield officer. Several witnesses that were interviewed indicate that Samantha said that Flores, quote, broke into her apartment and sent the screenshots. So he did it all the time. <laughs> Not Joe. Um, uh, a Westcom co-worker said that Sam struggled with a relationship with Phil, not being sure if she wanted to be with him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also aware of Flores going through all of her electronic devices and breaking into her place when Samantha wasn't home. Um, this friend never saw the Snapchats, but I guess he would threaten her fucking cat all the time. What? Yeah. Like how? Like I don't know. I don't. I don't know. They. It, nobody ever like said how, but like he would threaten the cat. I mean, fuck. I don't like cats, but I'm not gonna threaten them. I almost just tried to smoke my lighter. Um, I almost smoked my lighter. Oh my god. So, I need a smoke break. I'm gonna fucking punch you in the face. You want to talk about domestic violence? Here we go. <laughs> just saying. I love you. Mm-hmm. So. She told Samantha, like, hey, uh, not cool. Like, you got to do something, yeah. you know? Um, the coworker, like I said, didn't see any of the Snapchats, but was told more than once that Flores knew the code to her apartment and would come and go as he pleased whether she was home or not. She would change the code, and he would find it out. Whether she gave it to him, I don't know. Dude, and let me just say something. Like, if anyone is in a relationship like this listening to this, like, get out. Call me and I will come pick you up. No good is going to come out of this. No. Th- this isn't what a, a relationship is supposed to be. No. I'll come get you. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll come get you. That's my The More You Know segment. The PSA. Do you the remember PSA. that? The More You Know with the rainbow? Yeah, I yeah. just said it. Um, My eye is really twitching. Uh, I would fail a sobriety test right now. Just so you know. I have nystagmus. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Continue. It's entertaining. <laughs> it's driving me up a fucking wall. Um. So the Wilmington police officer, the female officer who went on the first date with the couple, um, confirmed that they did break up and they had a really unhealthy relationship. Yeah. She was also interviewed. Um. And the interviewer said, quote, she told me that Hera and Flores had broken up around the first or second week of December because they had each other's passwords on their phones and also he had caught her hanging out with another guy Whoa. and that they had a big fight a couple months before for a similar situation. Hanging out. Now Ooh. he, yeah, he implies more than once that she was cheating on him and she was supposedly sleeping with a married Plainfield officer Ooh. and she just she wasn't okay. <laughs> like she, she wasn't do we know that for sure from what i have been told yeah yes yes i i i won't i shouldn't say it as fact so i'm not saying it as fact but this particular officer was also interviewed multiple times yeah you're in a 911 call center. The only people you are going to meet yeah. are other dispatchers, and police, cops. and fucking firemen. Yeah. That's it. So that's who you're going to hang out with. And that's uh, honestly like when you're looking for a relationship, that, like in this field. You want to date somebody in the field. Because they understand. Right. 
I mean, that's why you and I, you and I are both fucked in the head, but we yeah. understand each other's fucked upness, right? You know, and that's how we met. So she was friends with a lot of officers. Cool. So am I. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It, it's just that's the all environment your, that you're in. All your friends and coworkers are guys. Yeah. Like, if yeah. I was like the, I'd be going crazy if I was like this guy. Oh my god. Yeah. And now your bestie's a girl. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Who fucking cares? First of all, I think it would kind of um, make you relatively unattractive if your wife had to drop you off at a girl's house. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Hey, babe. I'm just saying. I'm going to go around the block a couple times, honey. I'll be right back. Hey, babe, I got to see my other girlfriend. Could you, you drop, drop me off? off? <laughs> Can I get a ride? <laughs> I'll pay you $5 so for gas. I think that might... Um, I, that might discourage some women. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Oh, you're such a dick. Uh, am I wrong? <laughs> or, <laughs> I could even see it. Hey, Ma, could you give me a ride to my girlfriend's house? <laughs> and my mom would be like, I'll be there in 10. Your mom probably would. She totally fucking would. Yes. Let me get my shoes on. <laughs> Is Jamie being crabby today? <laughs> she being a bitch. She is, Mom. Okay, I'm on my way. I gotta get my shoes on. That's that's what would happen. Your mom loves me. She loves you more than she loves me. Right. Um, so this Wilmington officer was was friends with him. Um, she's she gets interviewed actually a couple times. Um, so it's unknown if the fight that they were talking about was about the Plainfield guy. Yeah. Um, this officer said she thought, and she told Flores that the relationship was un it wasn't healthy for either one of them. Um, she also said that the two withdrew from everyone, which that's a big red flag right there. Um, I wrote her interview comes back later. Um, so they obviously reconciled. Yeah. All right. So now we're getting to the nitty gritty. Okay. Uh, December 8th of 2017, Samantha texted her dad about a gun he was selling. Mm-hmm. At 9.03 in the morning, Samantha asked how much he wanted for his Glock. He replies, paid five fifty for it. She replies, I know I remember. I told Phil about it, and he's buying a gun right now. Dad says, what kind of gun? She says, a sub-200. What is, what is that? Uh, don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'm not a gun expert. Um, I'm so sorry. Per her dad, he did not end up purchasing the Glock, but he did buy a gun that day. Okay. He's going to Google it. Um, he's he's a cop. They have guns. Yeah. So, I don't know. February 9th, there was a huge snowstorm out here. I don't know if you remember that. Probably not. No. I don't remember it either. Um, so, around this time, too, she's now asking friends and family for extra Amazon boxes. Because, um, so the two different, one source said that he was in the process of buying a condo, but he said that in an interview that they were looking at townhouses, so I'm not sure which one, but they were, they were going to move in together. It looks like a rifle, but it's a sub 2000. Oh, okay. So she missed a zero. That's what it looks like. Okay. Um, so... February 11th of 2017, Flores was working the night shift on patrol, which was 6P to 6A. Um, So Heather, her mom, went over to her house. Um, 
A co-worker stated that Samantha was having some anxiety about moving in with Flora, so her mom was hanging out with her, kind of just, you know, helping pack, blah, blah, blah. She stayed until uh, around 11 p.m. that night. Um, so on February 12th of 2017, uh, Samantha called off. Flores was off the same day. So I'll go back to that because he talks about it in an interview. Um, so on February 13th of 2017, Heather was working at the Three Rivers Public Library in Manuka. That afternoon, Shanahan policed, uh, Police Chief Shane Casey and Reverend Benjamin Ingleson, who was a pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Church, came to see her. They pulled her into a stairwell for privacy. My notes say, you couldn't find a better fucking place than a stairwell for privacy in a library? Yeah, right? It's a library. I'm sure a fucking There was probably not a single fucking person in there. Wow. I love libraries, by the way. Um, Samantha's mother remembered, quote, Chief Casey, he said, he had some bad news. It's about Samantha. He said, I'm sorry, but Samantha is dead. Heather was absolutely taken aback, and the pastor actually stopped her from collapsing. Quote, I said, I don't understand what the hell happened. She's only 23 years old. What are you talking about? Uh, She was told that Samantha was killed by a gunshot wound. On February 14th, 2017, uh, Chief Casey and Shanahan Police Detective Andrew McClellan came to the home of Samantha's parents. Um, They sat down in the dining room, and after what was obviously minimal investigation, because it's 27 hours from when this happened, Mm -hmm. um, the two Shanahan officers were ready to close the case. Uh, Chief Casey told Heather and Kevin that the cause of Samantha's death was deemed a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. They said based on the 911 call and the text messages between Samantha and Phil, they had determined her death was a suicide. It was Chief Casey who said that, it's burned into my brain, her mother said. The first thing her mom said was, there's, there's no suicide note. Yeah. And she was later told that there didn't need to be a suicide note because the totality of the situation and the text messages combined could make a suicide note i couldn't find these text messages Uh, anywhere never heard of that anywhere now there is um a like a you know how you have the note section on your phone no um there was a, a note that she had typed up she didn't send it to anybody it didn't go anywhere she typed it up and left it cool like a journal getting your thoughts out um there's no text messages anywhere. Yeah. So Samantha was looking forward to being a bridesmaid in a sorority sister's wedding, and she just had a dress fitting in December. Um, she was also saving to finish her tattoo sleeve before she turned 24. To the point, she was in regular contact with her tattoo guy at Native Rituals in, they said Oak Forest slash Midlothian, so I don't know where that would be. But um, I read in one source that she actually had a tattoo appointment that day oh really yeah so it was only one source that i saw so i don't know um her mother says quote this was not somebody despondent who was going to give up this is my baby my daughter people who are planners do not kill themselves 
Something terrible happened in that apartment. Something terrible. So now the 911 call. It's horrific in the sense that it's her people. Are you able to play play it? it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am. Now, what I'm finding out, too, um, it seems that some portions of the call have been redacted, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Um, Knowing what I know, it's horrifying. I have the chills right now. Um, It's, it's, yeah. I don't want to say too much about it. So, um, I can can play it. I'll talk about it, and then I'll play it. Um, I think you should play it and then talk about it. All right, we'll have to find it. So he's he's full of shit. He tries this whole fake fucking crying thing and it's awful. So part of the call that was redacted was the call went to Grundy first, Grundy County first. Mm-hmm. And he immediately tells them he's Cresto police officer, you know, Phil Flores, his badge number. I, I read 107 and 108, so I'm not sure which one it is. But he immediately told them that. Um, and then he was transferred to Westcom, Westcom who obviously that's where she works. Yeah. And it's uh, the the part that got me is the dispatchers. I mean, you can hear him. It's in the their coworker. Crying. Yeah, the one, the mm-hmm. first dispatcher has to get off, and you then a second hear, one has you, to get off. Yeah, you could hear them crying in the background. Like yeah. it's, I'm getting chills right um, now. And then the one. Her name is Marie. She says it on the call, so I'm not disclosing anything. Um, she ended up not being able to finish the call. So the, the end of the call was redacted. Um, it was another person that finished the call. Um, and I've, I've talked to this person, and it destroyed this person. So, I mean, it, it's heart-wrenching. But the pauses, like, like Mark said, the pauses are not pauses where the tape was redacted. It's pauses when the dispatcher has to get up and be replaced by somebody. And then you can hear them in the background crying. So, let me play it. Mm -mm, If I can find it. Here we go. I don't want to lift up my computer, so that's why I just pulled it up on my phone. No, I get it. It'll be easier with your phone, too. Yeah. If you can find it. So when, um, so the patch actually filed a, um, a FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. And they asked for extensions multiple times before oh, really? they released it. And then they finally released it. Um, it was a while before they released it. And it was the attorney for Westcom who released it. Um. It wasn't released till 2019. You find so, it? Yeah. Okay. Pump up the value. I'm trying. Hang on. Sorry. What'd you do? I um hit the emergency button instead. No. Yeah. No emergency. 25731 Bridge. This is Lily Lee Cruz, too. Okay, you're in Shanahan? 
has her boyfriend. Okay, okay, okay. You need to do do something for her. What apartment number is she in? Apartment eight. Okay, where's the gun at? <laughs> what apartment number is she in? Apartment eight. Okay. Is she breathing at all? No. Where, okay, uh, do you, were you with her when she did this? I walked out of the room, she argued with me, I heard the gun rack, I tried to come back into the room, and she shot herself. Oh my So police got their guns drawn. He said three officers met him at the door with their guns drawn. Um, I don't know if you heard at the beginning when the first woman 
is talking. You can hear her whisper, I, I can't. She gets up. Marie comes on. Marie, bless her heart, how she fucking gets through it, I don't know. Um, it's it's heartbreaking. It's it's their own it's their own person, and now they're dispatching Shanahan police officers who she knew. She interned at their police department. She knew right. all of them. So, a couple things, and I'm probably going to go out of context a little bit. So I I apologize. Um, first thing, um, he says the gun is between her legs. It's not between her ankles. It's not between her knees. It's literally, and I apologize to the people who know her listening to this, it's literally less than two inches away from her vagina. She is completely nude at this point. So we'll backtrack to this. But statistically speaking, women generally do not commit suicide with a gun. If they do, they generally will shoot themselves in the stomach. Women attempt suicide more often. Men succeed more often because they use dangerous ways. Women generally will try not to fuck up their face. It, it's just, it is what it is. Um, so not only that. I, I should have had you look up the statistics for suicides like in the nude. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. So my th- my thought process as a female, just you're, in general, you're going to cover up. Um, I live in a town where I know all the police officers. I'm not going to shoot myself naked. I'm not going to because you're you're va- women are I don't want to say vain, but oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to shoot yourself naked knowing the people that are going to find you. You're just not going to. I, I, you're just not. So she's completely nude. Um, the other thing that really bothered me, he didn't cover her up. Yeah. He made no attempt to cover her up. He called 911 at 817. They got to the house just before 830. You couldn't grab her fucking comforter and put it over her? Like that, that... That fucking bothered me. What bothered me the most is one or two of the dispatchers asked or said, you got to do something. The one was like, are you going to do something for her? Okay, she's got brain matter. I've dealt with victims that have been shot in the head Mm -hmm. that have had brain matter missing Mm -hmm. and leaking, and they survived. Why the fuck... Aren't you on the ground giving compressions or doing something? That blew my mind. You're just going to stand there and fucking pretend to fucking sound, you know, whatever on the phone. Get the fuck. uh, Do something. Get on your knees and start compressions. So. He said he, he busted in. Okay, you heard him say that, But right? let me just go back to, in being a veteran officer, he should have known that. Mm-hmm. He, oh, and it gets, it gets he worse. He should have known that. It gets worse. W- whether there's brain matter or not, mm-hmm. you don't know if she still has a pulse or not. She did. Well, there you go. Why the she fuck did. aren't you on the ground doing compressions? So again, 
he called at 8.17 just before 8.30 they got there. So let's, let, hypothetically, let's say 10 minutes pass. Okay. EMS gets there. Um, and her apartment is small. If, if I remember correctly from what I read, it was only 400 square feet. Oh, yeah. It was little. Small. So she was, this is per the EMS report, um, they found her nude behind the bedroom door. So she was behind the door, blocking the door. At one point, one of the EMS personnel got into the room, put her on the four lead, you know, because they thought, they described it as she had obvious brain matter with injuries not compatible with life. Okay, that's, you know, we've seen that. So I'm assuming they put her on the monitor to really see if she had a heart rate. So she not only had a heart rhythm on the monitor, she had a palpable pulse, which means when somebody feels for a pulse, they could feel that she had a pulse. So an old saying is radiating. So if you have a radial pulse, which is in your wrist, your blood pressure, the top number of your blood pressure is at least 80. If you have a pulse in your carotid artery, which is in your neck, you have a top number blood pressure of at least 60. Medics, I guarantee, are going for the neck. They're going to check the carotid. So they called Silver Cross Hospital, which was their resource hospital, Mm -hmm. explained the situation that she was there. They had a GSW to the head. There was brain matter, you know, incompatible with life, but she had a heart rate. Silver Cross directed them to start life-saving measures. So they did. They had to remove the door to get her out because, stupid fact. So how did Numb Nuts break through the door? He, yeah. So 99% of the time, if somebody is in cardiac arrest or we are doing life-saving measures, we are taking the person out of the room on a backboard. Yeah. Just because it's easier than trying to lift, pardon my words, dead weight. Yeah. You know, so they had to remove the door to get her out on the backboard. They get her in the ambulance. She um, loses her heart rhythm. She goes into asystole, which is a flat line. They start an IV in her bone called an interosteus. They intubate her. They suction blood out of her throat. They start CPR. They give the life-saving drugs, which is epinephrine. And she not only gets a rhythm back, she's in sinus tachycardia. I don't know what that means. Which is a sustainable... I'm in sinus tachycardia right now. That is a viable, regular... It's a regularly regular, that's what they call it, heart rhythm. She, she's, it so was, she was alive. Honestly, it, it was like after you went into cardiac arrest yeah. and they shocked you and Brad, my brother, and I looked at the monitor and we're like, Who, whose fucking heart rate is that? Because it was so normal. They, they shocked you into a, almost a textbook sinus rhythm. Yeah. She had a sinus rhythm. Wow. So... They transported her to St. Joe's Hospital in Joliet, um, where she was pronounced dead. Um, So many things. So he said he busted into the door. Um, He's not a small dude. You didn't fucking bust in anywhere if she's behind that door. You didn't, especially if they had to remove the door. He says in later interviews 
that she locked the door. So he went up to the door and started saying, don't do it. Don't do this. Why are you saying that? Right. Why are you saying that? Um, so his first thought was to grab his keys. So I'm assuming it's a lock like on the bathroom where I can just take a dime and turn yeah. it. Because that's basically what he said. He took the, the end of a key and turned it. Or you can fucking be realistic and boot the fucking door. I was just going to say. If so, you hear a gun cocking. Now. If, if if you're in the bathroom and I hear a gun cocking, I, I'm coming in. Jesus full, will make you walk. Yeah. I'm coming in yeah. full force. So he's asked that by the attorney. In, in a later deposition, she's like, so you're a police officer. Yeah. Why did you not kick the door in? Yeah. I don't know. Why didn't you use an elbow to, to open the door? I don't know. That, like, I that know. was legit his response? I don't know was his response. Dude. Now. What the I'm fuck? Gonna, I'm going to bring up Drew Peterson because I brought this up in the Drew Peterson case. When his neighbor found Kathleen Savio and yelled, he went running upstairs. Now, he did not have his gun drawn. Why? Because you knew what was up there? Because any cop in their right fucking mind, and I still see you do this. Somebody screams and you have a weapon on you, you are drawing your weapon. Yeah. Somebody gets loud in here and screams or the dog barks, and I don't even know if you realize it. Your right hand goes to your hip instantly. You're going to pull your weapon. So you're trying to tell me that a police officer hears a gun rack in a room with a woman he loves... And he's fucking around with his keys? Yeah. To try and open the door? That's a big fat fucking lie. So first he says he busted in. No, you fucking didn't, chubby ass. And I'm not judging because I'm a chubby ass myself, but I ain't busting into fucking doors that are eight, eight inches wide. Right. Um, so the door gets brought up later on in testimony because the door's gone. Mm-hmm. It, it's gone. They don't like gone bye bye. Like gone bye bye. The fuck? Did, where did it go? The door is gone. Oh. So there's no way. Great job, evidence. There's sucks. no way to tell if there's forced entry. There's no. It's it's gone. Oh. The the door's gone. S- stellar job by the yeah. evidence. So group. that the door comes in later, a lot later. Um, but you're not crying. You're full of fucking shit. Um, he almost seems like bothered at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so the cat. I have to put the cat away. I have to put the cat away. She's obsessed with her cat. She changes the collar once a week. Her parents ask about the cat. When they hand when they give her the cat, mm-hmm. they give mom the cat, um, he's been bathed and he has no collar on. Hmm. Why? Because you were bloody when you picked up the fucking cat and had to wash him? Right. That's what I would think. Yeah. So she ends up uh, getting pronounced, obviously, dead at St. Joe's. I I don't have a time of death. It was shortly after they got there. So Shanahan PD is on the scene, um, and they call out the Will County, Grundy County Major Crimes Task Force. 
Mark was on the South Suburban Major Crimes Task Force. So I'll just say what towns it is and then you can explain it. Sure. So um, part of this task force is Bolingbrook, Grundy County, Illinois State Police, which is all of them, right? Yeah. Uh, Joliet, Romeoville, Shorewood, and Will County. Okay. I mean, my task force was a little bit more and we were broken up into teams because we covered so much. So, um, the Illinois State Police ran the task force. Um, it was my department and what other, like five other departments, six other departments. Something like that, yeah. That were the North team. So, we were the northern south suburbs. And then it was broken up into a bunch of towns for the South team. So the South, South suburbs right. of Chicago, it, it gets a little confusing, but it, it helps. The main purpose of it is because the departments that I worked for and like that surround us, we have limited detectives, you know, some departments have two detectives working. Some departments were a little bit better, you know, like six or eight, but what would happen is if there's a call out, if there's a murder in, in a town that you cover, one detective from each department would come and assist that department with the murder. So essentially you would have 15 detectives working a homicide case. Right. Versus just the one. Exactly. So now Shanahan had not had a homicide from 2013 until now and even then they didn't they weren't saying it was a homicide but so they didn't have much experience um will county in general didn't have they had only had um in that four year you know i don't want to say it because i think i'm gonna miss is joliet part of it yeah okay yeah so joliet is probably the only busy yeah town out of there that homicides occur yeah, I, and I think Bolingbroke would be a maybe close second. One, yeah, one or two a year. Yeah. So uh, a state's attorney, the state's attorney, excuse me, also sent a rep out to the scene, which... Which is normal. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so gonna, For us, it would be someone from felony review that would oh, come out and okay. monitor the whole Okay, the so that makes sense. And if there were people to lock in, they would do it at certain times. I gotcha. Like, if you got a confession at 3 in the morning... I got... Okay. Felony review is coming out at 3 in the yeah, morning... Yeah, I know and that. Locking, that. locking that person in. I'm so, well aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you were waiting for them for so long, you called me from the police department to be like, see, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not out. Yeah. Um, so they called the task force out almost immediately, which is pretty normal. They generally yeah. call them out if there's an impending death or once the death occurs. Mm-hmm. So... Um, shortly after the, the task force came out, they took, um, Flores to Shanahan police department to interview them. Um, it was a Joliet detective by the name of Carlos Matlock and a Will County Sheriff's investigator by the name of RJ Austin. Um, something about RJ Austin that was in the patch that I'll just say he was the lead detective on the, uh, Samaje case. Oh, really? The Yeah, the unsolved Samaje 
um, Crosby. I, I don't and know if that was national news. I don't know if it was either, but it was a little girl who was um, reported missing and then found in the fucking couch. Yeah. Two or three days later. DCFS fucked up big time. Oh on that. yeah, it, she was in the fucking couch. Yeah. They were sitting on her. We're, we'll probably do. Yeah, that. we should. Do um, that. and then the house burned down a week later. Yeah. So it's it's unsolved. Do I think it's his fault? No. It was noted, so I figured I'd throw it out there. Um, so, per the interview, uh, Flores admitted to being in her small apartment at the time of the shooting. He's the one who called 911. It went to Grundy County initially. He made a point multiple times to say that he was a Crest Hill police officer. Um, R.J. Austin conducted the interview primarily, but the report was done by Matlock. Uh, is that normal? Would you both write a report or? No, if okay. I, uh, no, we would do it differently. So if I conducted an interview, mm-hmm. it would be on a task force case report. Okay. It wouldn't be, you know, my department. That's what it is. It what? just looks like Matlock wrote it. What is Matlock? He's a detective. He's one of the detectives from the task force. Oh, okay. So these are two task force guys that are interviewing him. Okay. Um, so um, a lot of the interview in one particular source is actually redacted. But I'll plug in what I know from other um, other news stories, I guess. And, and is there's the best only, way to say. this is the this interview. This is it. This is the only interview that he has ever had by police. That's the biggest. Including the 2016 rape allegation. He was never interviewed. That's a problem. He was never interviewed. That's a problem. He, by us, he would have been interviewed multiple times. Uh Uh-huh. Every time we would find, like, we would work a lead and get a little further with evidence or we would talk to more witnesses, we would go right back in the room and say, hey, dude, like, now this has come up. Like, explain. Right. Our our offenders, we would talk to them three to five times sometimes. Oh, my God. For hours. Yeah. For hours. Um, in, In his deposition in December of 2020... That is the first time that he speaks under oath about the rape allegation from 2016. Mm. He was never interviewed. So Mm. this is the one and only interview that this man has. That's fucked up. So so per the interview, uh, Flores stated the incident with his girlfriend goes back prior to today. He stated that on Sunday, February 11th, 2018, Samantha called off work and then she stayed in bed all day through Monday. Flores stated he called Samantha several times after learning she was in bed and telling her he was going to come over. Uh, He told Austin and Matlock that he showed up on Monday, February 12th, between 1230 and 130 p.m. He said that he woke Samantha up. She said something to him. At whatever she said was redacted. Mm-hmm. It's not what he said in a different interview. Okay. Um, he stated that he gave Samantha her Valentine's Day gift due to this being the only day they were off together. Samantha then went back to bed. 
In another interview, he says that he laid her Valentine's, which was a couple boxes of chocolates. What what interview is this now? This was his deposition. Oh, sorry. So his deposition. Um, He put her Valentine's on her bed, kissed her forehead, and said, hi, sleepyhead. So he didn't even wake her up. Now in this one, he wakes her up. So, um, so the right there is a fucking right. So next he says that quote, Samantha suffered, but then the rest is redacted. It's finished with, he was told by Samantha and then redaction. So, um, the sentence picks up with, uh, Flores saying, quote, it was unknown if she told her parents about this incident. Flores stated he received a text message from Samantha on Monday saying, the next words were redacted, this prior to him arriving at her residence. Flores stated this is when he called several times and her phone went to voicemail and it was very unusual. Samantha always answered his phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a later interview, it, it says why. So February 13th, he says... Um, Flores, quote, stated today when Samantha woke up, she asked for her cell phone. He gave her her cell phone. She then laid back down. Flores stated Samantha had a very upset look on her face. He questioned Samantha in reference to doing something with him today. Samantha replied by telling him to, quote, leave me alone and that she just wanted to be left alone. He stated this was somewhere between 5 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. He had her phone. He admits to having her phone when he got to her house yeah. the day before. He had her phone in, in his possession yeah. the entire time Yeah. until supposedly he gives it back to her. That comes up later. Um, he said he spoke with Samantha about a scheduled tattoo appointment. He continued to try and get her up, and she replied by saying, fuck you, just leave me alone. <laughs> Um, at is this that point, you? Yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> this is what happens when you wake me up. Um, he said that he continued to try and console Samantha by encouraging her to get up, telling her he knew what she had been through. The next several words are redacted. He makes reference to a possible sexual assault that she had suffered about three years before this incident. Really? So... Um, he continued to move away, telling him to leave and to leave now. He said he questioned Samantha as to whether she wanted him to leave the room, leave the house, or leave her alone for good. Not what he says later. Samantha continued to state, leave her alone. Flora stated he began to get dressed, which he was already dressed. Uh, again, questioning Samantha if she was going to be okay. She responded to just leave and leave her alone. So... They have a conversation and they get into a fight supposedly because he, per him, she had taken 12 Xanax. Okay. So the pill bottle next to her was prescribed to her Mm -hmm. and had the exact number of pills that were prescribed to her in that bottle. There were not 12 pills missing. So that's a a lie. Contradiction. Um. Could she have had previous prescriptions and that's why she was sleeping? Yeah. It 100% could be because, right. I mean, from the sounds of it, she could have been going through some shit. Mm-hmm. We all are. Yeah. Hello. Listen, if I could take fucking Xanax and sleep for 17 hours, give me some fucking water. Like, hey, let's I, go. I'd take my Ativan. Right. The only thing so, is 
doesn't make me sleep yeah. anymore. She's not hurting anybody. If she's having a bad day and she wants to take some Xanax to sleep, take some Xanax to sleep, you know? Yeah. So, um. You're blowing up over there. I know. Tell people we're fucking busy. Uh, yeah, I know. Actually, one of them I, is regarding this. Oh. So, um. So, the pill bottle was next to her bed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he acknowledges that he sees the pill bottle. He also acknowledges that he sees her gun. Mm-hmm. She had a Smith & Wesson that she kept, he said, on the nightstand for protection. Mm-hmm. So it's on the nightstand in clear view. Your girlfriend is fighting with you, telling you that she just took 12 Xanax. Why wouldn't you take it? Why didn't you take the fucking gun? Why didn't you take the pills? Yeah. So her gun's in plain view. She's telling you to fuck off and to leave you alone. And you leave her gun in the room with her. That makes no sense. Can I be candid? Yeah. Uh, I took the guns out of the house in, in yeah. general. Because yeah. if you want to get to it bad enough, you're going to get to it. Yeah. And he fucking left it there. Yeah. When I got... I took him out of the house. When I was struggling real bad, I you took him out of the house. Took him out. Yeah, I still don't even know where they're at. And you won't. I, you know, but he left it right next to her. So they're having this argument. And do people know that it's like past work time? Yeah, tell them the fuck off. So. He said, Samantha normally kept her gun on the nightstand. He stated her gun was located on the nightstand when he placed her Valentine's Day gift on the nightstand for Samantha. In another interview, he says he placed it on her pillow. Um, a lot of the next portion in regards to their romantic relationship was redacted by Shanahan police. Um, it talks about how they separated in December for eight days and then got back together. Mm-hmm. Um of what see it's hard with all of it being redacted he says after they got back together she told him redacted she thought she was getting the help that she needed hence Mm. the xanax prescription on top of the fact guys like she's a 911 dispatcher yeah that'll fuck you up yeah in general so it could it could have been anything so he says, um, on this morning when Samantha awakened, she questioned him as to what day it was. He told her it was Tuesday. Samantha wanted to know what happened to Monday, stating she had taken, it says redacted, but it was 12 Xanax. Um, however, the bottle she referred to um, was still full. He questioned Samantha as to why she had taken so much. She stated she did not know. I can't find a tax screen anywhere either. Oh, really? No. That'd be nice to... It'd be nice to see... Um, I, 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 maybe I could have found one if I dug a little harder. I don't know. Um, he says, you know, they met through a mutual friend. He said that after he heard the shot, he began pushing the door to the bedroom open while calling 911, told them he was Crest Hill Police number 108, um, but the phone went to Grundy County. So now he's pushing the door open. Yeah. Not busting the door open. Right. Not opening it with a key. He's pushing it open. So three contradictions. Right. Uh, Flores stated he was next to Samantha kneeling over her. 
He lifted her head and observed blood pouring out of the side of her head. Flores stated that he spoke with Samantha while kneeling over her while on the phone with the dispatcher. Did you hear anything while he was on the phone? Because no. I didn't. No, not Kay. at all. Um, he stated that he was questioned by the dispatcher as to whether or not he could do CPR. He stated he could not. Bullshit. Uh, Flores stated when he went to open the door for the police, he had three guns pointed at him. He raised his hands and dropped his cell phone. I, I want to go back a little bit. So the gun that was used was hers. Correct. The Smith & Wesson. Correct. Any police officer, anyone that's affiliated with law enforcement or knows self, like home self-defense, there's one in the chamber. That's, yes. There, it, it is not like the movies where you hear an intruder and you fucking cock the gun. No, you're ready there to shoot it. There is one in the chamber. I don't know anyone... I, I know a lot of police officers, mm-hmm. and not one of them fucking doesn't have one ready to go in the chamber. Now, she she had her FOID card. She had internshiped at Shanahan Police. Um, I read in a source that she had been tactically trained with a weapon. Yeah. So there's a, a gentleman who comes out later, and he's like, no, no. She would have had one in the chamber. Yeah. There's, there's no way. Yeah. Um, I guarantee she did. So, <laughs> she didn't fucking rack that shit. No. Um, at the time, uh, so they did question him about not doing CPR because, according to the the nine one one call, he didn't touch her. Right. So now he's kneeling next to her, holding her head. So he's kneeling. I highly doubt that. Now, if any of you know a, a GSW to the head, it's a little messy. Yeah. There's nothing on him. His legs. Nothing at all? No. Now. What the fuck? There's blood spatter all over his sweatshirt. All over his sweatshirt. Really? All over his sweatshirt. The thighs of his pants. His hand. Please tell me his clothes were taken for evidence. I believe so, because there's a picture of him. Okay. Yeah. God forbid. Um, He... They question him again. Why the fuck didn't you do CPR? Yeah. Dude, come on. You're a veteran cop. You. He stated dude. that he only touched, the only time he touched Samantha was after she shot herself and she was covered with blood. So smears, not spatter. Spatter is like when you take pancake batter and like and throw, throw it against it. the wall. That's what spatter looks like. Yeah. Touching somebody who's just been shot in the head is not going to give you 25 separate spots measuring 1 to 8 millimeters on your sweatshirt. No, not at all. You're going to be saturated. Not at all. And this should have... There were 25 separate blood spatter marks on his black sweatshirt, including his wrists, the cuffs. Why wasn't he questioned about this Measuring 1 to 8 millimeters. That's spatter right there. So was he questioned about this? Not right now. By by the police. No. Um shame on them. So, what the fuck are you doing? So he said he only touched her after she shot herself and she was covered in blood. Now she she went down, I'm assuming, onto yeah. her bottom. Oh yeah. Um 
she per se may not be covered in blood. A side of her might be because right. her head's going to go to the side. Yeah. Or down, even if it goes down. Yeah. Okay. Um, the gun had spatter on it, but not blood. So we know her head didn't go down because it was two inches from her vagina. And if her head went down, she would have bled on the gun. Yeah. Um, he said he didn't do CPR. He stated that he did not know why, and he could only state that he panicked. Didn't really sound like a panic on the phone. No. Mm-mm. Not to mention, I get it. It's, it's it's horrifying. Yeah. I've seen it. I watched you go into respiratory arrest. Do you want to know when I panicked? When they got you out of the house. Yeah. Then I panicked. Otherwise, you just go into... You, you, you go, go into, into police cop mode. mode. Yeah. You do. You go into paramedic mode. You go into cop mode. You don't. You do what you're trained. Right. You, you. You fall back on your training. You picked up her head and were whispering sweet nothings in her ear. Re- really? Yeah. Uh, it's a fucking lie. So then this, God, this makes me so mad when I read this today. What? Um, Flores stated he is a man of pride and he is the protector he did not want Samantha to see him hurt since he is supposed to protect her. Oh, fuck off. How the fuck did you make this about you? He how, did. How did you make this narcissist? Yeah, he is. You didn't want Samantha to see you hurt? Well, Sir. I, his first rape, I could have fucking told you he's a narcissist. Yeah, uh, so you didn't want her to see you hurt. But you won't do CPR because there's brain matter. Right. So how would she see you? Just out of curiosity. So I don't know, babe. That's so fucked up. I got to get my tabs out. Okay. I think my tabs are all fucked up now. Okay. So um, about 10 hours after uh, she passed... A detective from the Major Crimes Task Force attained, obtained a DNA uh, buckle swab yeah. from Phil. Okay. Quote, I gathered a buckle swab from Flores' mouth and placed them in an envelope, uh, okay. Romeville Police Detective Dan Zakula stated. The envelope was sealed and given to the Shanahan police to be entered into evidence. Mm-hmm. Um. During the last federal deposition, Shanahan Deputy Police Chief Adam Bogart was asked if his department lost the original buckle swab for Flores. And they did. His response was, I don't know. Oh, my God. Was it entered into evidence? To the best of my knowledge, no. So that uh, a buckle swab is Is DNA. DNA. So that's, that's dude's DNA right there. Yeah. Which they so, they had at some point too. Okay, but if you lost it, right? Get a get a fucking search warrant. Oh, it's it. Okay. If yeah, go go ahead because he he denies it. Right? She like says, he, "Do you know where it is?" As you sit here today, no. Did your department do any type of internal review of what may have happened? Um, to this piece of evidence that was placed into the chain of custody. And his response is, we tried checking through reports. He didn't specify in his report which officer. Ultimately, we never discovered, like I said, don't know where it's at. Dude. So. So why isn't They call him. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) In the spring of 2018, so a couple months later, um, 
Bogart, the deputy chief, calls Flores when he realizes that they don't have it to send to the Illinois State Crime Lab. Mm-hmm. And he's asked, well, what did he say to you? And he says, quote, a lot of explicitives. And I said, hey, we would like to get the buckle swab from you. He said, no, I'm not doing that. I have to talk to my attorney. The next thing I know, I got a call from an attorney so we can establish collecting that DNA sample. Did you re-interview him at the time he came in to give the buckle swab? No, I did not. Did you ask his attorney whether or not he would come in for a second interview? I didn't have to because he made it very specific to me that Phil is not answering any questions. When did Phil's attorney tell you that Phil would not be answering questions? And he says that spring conversation during the buckle swab question. So was he re-buckle swab? Yes. Okay. Yes, he was. Um... They found more evidence later on. Okay. And did not bring him back in to re-interview oh my him. God. And the reason behind it was this guy says, because it's my belief that when you invoke the right to counsel, it pertains to the same investigation. Hmm. Do you want me to skip forward and tell you what it was? Yeah. Gunshot residue. Oh my God. So what? in twenty nineteen, they figured out that Flores had gunshot residue on his right hand, yeah, his right cuff, his left hand, his left cuff, and in multiple places on his sweatshirt. Uh, he needs to be questioned. He should have been questioned. Why the fuck is that shit on you? Why did it take till 2019? Uh, I don't know. So. I mean, the lab could have been. That could so, have been a lab thing. Here's the problem. We went into this. I learned a lot about gunshot residue in a case very, very similar to this. You can get gunshot residue on you if you are in the same room that a weapon is being fired in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Per him, he was not in the room. So, how the fuck scratch did he get, that out? Yeah. Uh, so now, how do you get it on his fucking hands? Well, how did he get it on his hands, but Samantha didn't have it on hers? But she's the one who pulled the trigger. So her gunshot residue tests come back negative. They tested both of her hands, they tested her face, and they tested multiple parts of her nude body. Not a single ounce of gunshot residue. That right there, that's grounds for a state's attorney to open this shit back up. And that's huge. His attorney That's brushed it off. Fucking oh yeah. Huge. His attorney said, "Well, he could have gotten the gunshot residue on his hands when he lifted her head. How? She didn't have any on her." Yeah. And then he says, "Well, it could have just been wiped off of her." Oh but my god. What? Sure. <laughs> what the sure. fuck are you talking? What are you talking about? Yeah, sure. It, it wipes off. It just, just comes like off. That. Yeah, no big deal. Shoots herself. There's nothing on her. Attorney's so somebody wiped her hands her. off. Dude, attorneys crack me Because I, I'll tell you that I've never in the middle of a cardiac arrest washed somebody's motherfucking hands. Right. I've bagged them for police. I've never fucking washed them. Right. So, no. So it comes out that, yes, she is, she is negative for gunshot residue. He is positive. Now, when the testing first came out, Shanahan police told her parents the exact opposite. They told her parents that she was positive for gunshot residue and he was negative. That's, they flat out fucking lied. Yeah, that's that's a bad lie. To flat the, out fucking lied. That's a pretty bad lie to the family. Yeah. Um, 
so he's he's testing positive for gunshot residue and he's not he's not reinterviewed. So mm. yeah. Um oh my god, my eye. So the attorney ends up asking, would you agree that if it came out during this meeting, his interview, his initial interview, uh, it was disclosed during the meeting that the presumptive GSR test was positive, that would have impacted your strategy for interviewing Mr. Flores. I don't know how it would have impacted it. What? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and this dude is a, a detective? He's a chief. Oh, my Baby, God. He's a chief. Oh, my God, you're killing me. Um, So she says, Really? You don't know? If you received information that he tested positive for GSR, it wouldn't have impacted your investigation at that point? It is not definite how he fired a gun or not. Maybe you look for an explanation as to how it got there. Sure. So this chief is a political chief. Yes. He didn't get that spot because he was a good cop. Do you want to know what He, the- he got it because he fucking knew someone. Yeah. So the attorney... And I'm, I'm going to specifically quote her. Um, quote, what if any Joe Blow gangbanger in your interrogation room tested positive for GSR? It is pretty much in your investigation in those circumstances, right? And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And she says, quote, I mean, why are you so quick to throw out GSR when a cop is sitting there? I don't understand that. We know you take it seriously when it's not a cop sitting in the interrogation room. And his response is, I had no training in GSR prior to that day. Oh, my God. Chief. She says, as you sit here today, you are saying you didn't understand the implications of a presumptive GSR test on February 13th. What had happened was. Uh And he says, whether it means he was shooting a gun, buying a gun. Touched a gun. I don't know. Oh, my God. So then (laughs) she says... stupid hurts. So by the time you learned from the lab that it was, in fact, positive, not just presumptive, Phil wasn't speaking anymore, correct? And he says, correct. And she says, so as you sit here today, you do not have the benefit of knowing out of his own mouth why he thinks he was positive for GSR, correct? Not to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Maybe all I could do is shake my head. This attorney, I fucking love her. Yeah, she's ruthless. So the morning of the murder, I'm going to call it a murder because that's what it was. um, They interviewed neighbors Mm -hmm. because the neighbors came out and were like, hey, we heard them fighting. We heard them fighting. We heard a scuffle. We heard a woman say, let me go repeatedly no shit and then we heard a bang and then it went quiet and then all the sirens came there was also a dent in her wall that had not been there the previous night when her mother was there really so they go to phil flores and he goes no 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 she said you have to go you have to leave and the attorney's like so cool Two separate people who don't fucking know each other and have zero skin in the game contradicted him and you're you're believing him. And they're like, well, yeah. The only contradict- contradiction is that the words were reversed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. What the fuck? So she says it wasn't just words. It was a banging and let me go, right? That's what they said, correct? And he says, right. 
Like something was hitting the wall, right? And he says, door was slamming like Phil suggested. And her response was, we know you like Phil's version better. It's very clear. However, it's the wrong version. (laughs) she's, She's fucking great. I would love to shake her hand. So she says, if the neighbor said they heard a struggle, the presumptive GSR test is positive for gunshot residue, and you have a dead woman with a gunshot in her head. Do you think you would have arrested Phil if he were an 18-year-old gangbanger? Mm. I would consider all the facts. Oh, I would let yeah. them make the determination as to arrest and charges. Mm. Mm-hmm. What? What? Mm-hmm. So after the interview, um, <laughs> well, okay, so one more. She says, did I ask you anything about how the neighbor came to that conclusion? Maybe because he had a brain. (laughs) Do you have any reason to believe that they had an interest in persuading you the narrative was not true? And he said, no. So then she says, were you curious as to why Phil had blood spatter on him? Yes. And from listening to the 911 call and listening to the interview with Detective Matlock, you are, of course, aware that he always maintained that he was not in the room when she pulled the trigger. Yes. So then... The door. Hey, babe, are you seeing this, like, yeah, candles? it's okay. Um, We're not going to, like, start on fire, are I we? I don't think so, no. Um, So, she asks him, do you want me to pour water on it? Would it make you feel better? A little bit. It's um, getting a little high. Whoa! Don't do that. Oh, shit. So, the house is not... On fire. Holy shit. Did we just almost die? <laughs> um, we have we have those little tea light candles lit in a, a candle tray. It's a tray specifically made for fucking candles. Yeah. For some reason, the metal of the tea light holder, they were burning. Yeah, they caught on fire. Uh, and then they exploded. Yeah. <laughs> As we pour so, water on them, they fucking exploded. They exploded. So that was fucking crazy. But I saved your life with a pot. Don't worry. Yeah, it's they're they're out now. Yeah, so we're good. You don't have to wheel me out. The house smells. I mean, I feel like you would have to get up and walk in that situation. I would have like to. you're gonna have to take one for the team, babe, and take some fucking steps outside. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. That was pretty close. That flame went all the way up to the fucking ceiling. It did. It was like fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) That's not supposed to happen. I mean, it's not like it's fucking grease. You can pour water on a fucking candle. I felt like that YouTube video where the guy is in the wheelchair with the Back up, Terry! (laughs) Back up, Terry! I felt like Terry. Meanwhile, Mark did not move. I didn't move. A fucking inch. Do anything. No. Jackson comes out. What's going on? And Mark's like, shh. (laughs) It's okay. So that'll be fun picking the wax off of everything of mine over here. Yeah. I don't think it got on the carpet. No, I think just the table it did. Yeah. All right, where All were right, we? So Jesus, Mary and Joseph. We're not we're not dead. We're good. House is not on fire. This is like when Jax was fucking around with a candle and paper oh, towels yeah. and we were both napping. Yep. And we woke up to Jackson yelling fire. He was just yelling, fire, fire, fire. And I hopped over the back of the couch. He had set the whole roll of paper towels on fire. Um, 
not a big deal, except that Mark forgot that his legs did not work at the time. <laughs> like, at this point in time, he couldn't even stand on his own. Oh, he tried. Yeah, I He tried, tried and fucking fell right, <laughs> right off the fucking couch. And all so. I could do was just keep yelling, fire! Which is all he did. Like, I didn't already put it out. You continued to yell fire for like an hour. Like a fucking dick. Uh, yeah. All right, where were we? Okay. We might have to make this a two-parter. I mean, we can. We're at an hour and 45 minutes. All right, I'll talk fast. So, I think it should just be a one-parter. If it's longer, it's longer. Yeah. So, um, the door was removed for EMS to get in. Um, The uh, CSIs noted uh, blood trance around the door on the hinges. I'll get to that. But... The, the door is is gone. It's gone. Uh, the attorney says, mind. should you have recovered the door to Samantha's bedroom? And he said, what do you mean by recovered? Dude. And she says, well, we know it existed. We've seen pictures of it. Did you inventory it? He says it was never logged into evidence. And she says, where is it? And he says, I don't know. Oh, my God. So they didn't take the door which we can put pictures up if I figure it out or if Mark figures out. There's blood all over the door, mm-hmm. which the CSI tries to blame on the fire department, mm-hmm. which I completely debunked that fucking theory the other day. Mm-hmm. So um, there was also a laundry basket in her bedroom. Why don't you explain the debunking? I will when we get to the CSI okay. part. So there was also a laundry basket in her room with blood on it. Yeah. Um. And he admits that he saw pictures of it. And she says, do you know if it was placed into evidence? And he says, I don't know. And she says, was it on the evidence log because it had blood on it? And he says, I don't know. And she's like, cool. You know what I know? It was returned to her fucking parents, wiped down. Oh, Jesus. So. Wow. Cool. So, Wednesday, the day after, uh, the Will County coroner, Patrick O'Neill, does her autopsy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head. Mm-hmm. There was an entry wound to the white, right temple, exit wound to the left temple. Yeah. However, the manner of death, he left undetermined. Really? And said that it needed he needed more information from the police investigation and the toxicology report. Mm-hmm. So, he said that, and then... They went and told her parents she committed suicide. What? That's not what the coroner said. Yeah. So he, yeah, that morning he came out and said it was, you know, undetermined. They told her parents that afternoon in the dining room that she hadn't killed herself. So. All right. Great job again. um, I was like, how does the fucking toxicology screen come into it? But now that we know that he's alleging she took a bunch of fucking Xanax. Yeah. um, Yeah. It'd be nice to have it. Yeah. So I'm I'm still gonna I'm gonna fucking look for it and see if I could find it. Send a foyer. I might. I I might because I want yeah, I want this foyer. shit. If, if you want me to, I can. Oh my god. My fucking eyeballs. Do you need to turn on the lights? No, my eyes are dry. That's all. Um. You could quit complaining. Shit. <laughs> Just turn on the light if you're having a hard time seeing them. I'm not having a hard time seeing my eyes are just dry. Um, 
Hang on, I gotta see the date of this. So they come out um, December 28th of 2018. Um, they uh, come out with a press release. Shanahan Police Department does. The assistant police chief, Adam Bogart, who's the dipshit who we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sorry for calling you a dipshit. No. You don't know where if a fucking are, bloody door is? Yeah. If, if you are, you are. Cool. Um, Some people just are. The Shanahan Police Department immediately requested the Will Grundy County Major Crimes Task Force to provide assistance and add additional expertise to the investigation. Members of the task force from Bolingbrook PD, Grundy County Sheriff's Office, Illinois State Police, Joliet PD, Romeoville PD, Shoreward PD, and the Will County Sheriff's Office immediately responded to the scene. The Will County State's Attorney Office was also notified and a representative from that office responded to the scene. The Will County Coroner has determined that Samantha's cause of death was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. That finding is consistent with and supported by evidence presented by this multi-jurisdictional investigation. No, it doesn't. Uh, I'm going to say no. No, no, no. So he was put immediately on leave. Paid paid leave. And his chief says, yeah, from the stress. So 13 months later, he's still on paid fucking leave. He got paid over 90 grand on leave. Well, I could tell you some shit about my place. Yeah. So. (laughs) With paid leave. He never, he never was on the street again for Crest Hill. Okay. Ever. So Shanahan clears him this day, you know, December 28th. They, they clear him of all wrongdoing. They claim it, you know, claim it was a suicide. Why is he at a fucking bar that night with a girl sending Snapchats that they finally cleared his name and he's going to party it up? Dude, what are you doing? (laughs) If you weren't a douche before. That's like OJ when he got cleared. Like he had it. He threw a party. He threw a party, party. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, dude. I don't know. Maybe I'm just silly, but like, if the roles were were reversed and it was you, babe, I'd be fucking devastated. I I don't I I wouldn't even be able to function because it, it wasn't even a full year. So it she shot herself in February, and in December they cleared him. Babe, I I wouldn't wouldn't have even been able to function. No, no. Let alone go. You out to you a survive. Bar. You get. You go through the motions. Yeah. You You survive. That's it. I still don't even go out to a bar. Right. Because I'm worried about what's going to happen at home. Right. So. All right. So the CSI. Here we go. This one's bad. Um. So a lot of the CSI reports were actually um, buried. Mm-hmm. Is how it was termed. Um, oh, fuck, I got wax in my nail. Um, and they have multiple CSIs, right? There's one from Will County and one from the state. That And that's a no-no. You're going to have conflicting reports. So You need one report. Right. So... Uh, what, what are you doing what did, having we two? De- we determined this the last time. Because one was a, a CSI and one was a photographer. Remember? That's what we figured out. Sure. But then, um, so 
Okay. So Illinois State Police Sergeant uh, Carrie Morin mm. and Will County Sheriff's Office crime scene photographer Maurice Horn worked very closely with Will County Sheriff's Crime Scene Investigation Sergeant Jerry Zinicki, I don't know, and Shorewood Deputy Police Chief of Investigations, Jasef Barron. Now, they were all working under Shanahan's lead detective, um, who, McClellan is his name. Uh, Sir, you're an idiot. I don't know how else to put it. You're a fucking idiot. Um, or you're, you're corrupt. I sh- I won't even say you're an idiot. You're corrupt. Um, so obviously her parents are suing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, they go through this whole spiel with the lawsuit. It ends up Shanahan and Crest Hill end up getting dropped from it. Then they say they can sue at the state level. Like the parents are just getting fucking dicked around. Yeah. So now at this point, it's a wrongful death suit. Yeah. Um, so, they call out CSI, um, and it's the the ones I just said, which you yeah. grunted about. <laughs> so, um, He's a good friend. So, both Horn and Morin emphasize in their written reports how they worked closely with McClellan. Uh, the same inexperienced detective, now suspected by civil rights lawyer Jennifer Bonjean, who was the one ripping them people apart. Nice. Uh, of being at the center of the suspected police cover-up. Now, side note. Mm. I heard from multiple people, heard, my own ears, that nobody liked this fucking guy, Flores. Nobody liked Phil. Yeah. Nobody's going to cover up for him. Right. Is, is the common consensus. Right. What the thought process is, is that it was covered up because Crest Hill should have fired him in 2016. Right. And they didn't. Right. They kept him on their staff, and then he fucking killed somebody. Right. That's the cover-up that they're thinking. Not that they're trying to protect Flores, because it sounds like everybody would fucking throw him down the river. Right. So, um, so, Horn's report was entered December 22nd, 2018, six days before they made the announcement that it was a suicide. Ten months after the actual incident. Mm. He wrote a three-page narrative ten months later. Morin wrote his in two months, which is, from what you said, it's a pretty standard time frame. Pretty normal. Um, So he... There were times, because they're logged at a certain time, but then it's it's a whole other fucking time I can't find. I'll keep looking for it. Um... I just had it, I thought. Okay. So, his report, Horn's report, is speculative on multiple instances. Um, It appears that he's blaming the Shanahan Fire Protection District for a series of suspicious blood transfer scenes left by someone on the inside wooden door of Harrer's bedroom. Uh, In doing so, the Will County Sheriff CSI helped deflect suspicion away from Officer Flores. Quote, I could see a bloodstain transfer going across the midsection of the door on the exterior side. The transfer was probably from EMS removing the door in order to work on the decedent. Okay. Does not take three firemen to take a door off the hinges. Right. Okay. 
So you're going to have one at the top holding the top hinge, one at the bottom for the bottom hinge. They're probably both working at the hinges at the same time, right? The blood spatter or the blood transfer that they're talking about is midline on the door. Right where her head would have been. Yeah. So EMS, it's in their report that they were... They were wearing gloves. They were wearing the proper PPE. They are not going to grab a door with bloody gloves. On top of the fact, they hadn't started life-saving measures until they removed the door because they could only get one person inside. Right. So where did the blood come from on their gloves that they supposedly put all over this door? Yeah. Yeah. And now the door is gone? Now the door is gone. Yeah. Now... He says it was probably from EMS. There is nothing in his report that he spoke with EMS, that he talked with anybody regarding EMS, that he talked to anybody about the removal of the door. This is purely speculative. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense. It just, it just doesn't. We've had to take down doors before, hoarders and shit like that. It takes one or two guys to take it down. You're not going to have a third guy holding the middle of the fucking door. Right. It doesn't make sense. No, not even a little bit. So the blood is right in the middle. Yeah. Um, So the the engine crew was also paramedics. So they had four paramedics on the scene. Um, They wore gloves. They documented it. And Shanahan kind of went around like rumor mill. So um, that basically they're not stupid enough to wipe fresh blood at a potential murder scene because it's unprofessional and would cause cross-contamination. Right. So they're not fucking idiots. Don't treat them like they're idiots. Um, It says, quote, I inspected the detached bedroom door and observed more blood stains to be on the door. However, these stains appeared to be more of a transfer pattern and not from the initial incident. It's right where her head would be. Uh, It should be noted that throughout the preliminary survey, I had the assistance of Officer McClellan from the Shanahan Police Department. I began to photograph the residency in its entirety to include the bloodstains and spatter located on the walls where the decedent was found. Uh, While photographing, Illinois State Police Officer Sergeant Carrie J. Morin, CSI, arrived on the scene. I'm going to turn this around really quick. Where do you see blood transfer as opposed to spatter? Oh, you don't, do ya? Yeah, because it's not fucking transfer, it's spatter. Um, So logs from the scene indicate that Horn entered Herr's studio apartment from 10.03 a.m. until 10.37 a.m. and then returned for just three minutes with his boss from 12.32 p.m. to 12.35 p.m. Then he remained inside from 2.10 p.m. until 7.14 p.m. He, like I said, did not produce his report for 10 months uh, and says, quote, with the blood patterns on the wall and floor, we could approximate how the decedent came to rest on the floor. The blood spatter evidence was consistent with this being a self-inflicted wound to the head made by a right-handed person. This interpretation was based on voids being present where they would be if one person was present during the incident and also ruled out a second person being present. If a second person would have been present during the incident, the blood spatter impact on the walls would have been significantly different than what was found at the scene. How? Yeah. If he was standing to the side of her? How? 
So you're in an open room. If he's standing to the side of her and holds the gun up to her right temple, he's going to have blood spatter on him. It's not going to hit the wall. Which he did. Which he did. So there's no void to be had here. It's not like they were standing up against a, a wall. Right. There's no way she... She would not have fallen behind the bedroom door sitting up the way that she fell if he was standing in a spot where blood spatter could be voided on the wall. Right. Does that make sense how I said that? Yeah. So the blood spatter would end up on the person doing the shooting, not the wall. Which it did. Which it 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 did. did. It did. So the issue with the Times is that um, Sergeant Carrie Morin is likely also under the microscope. Uh, He was not called to the scene immediately. The Shanahan Police Department called him about three and a half hours later, and he stated in his report that he arrived at 1.40 p.m. Uh, However, the logs from the scene indicate that he did not enter the apartment until 3.05 p.m. What you doing? Well, he's getting his stuff ready. Or bullshitting. Yeah. Because that's what you guys do. Yeah. You know. You look all serious when you're on the news, and really, you're just playing a game on your phone. Yeah, but no, he, he's got a ton of shit and getting it ready. That's, that's so that's normal. normal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so his report reveals he was briefed by Detective McClellan, stating, "quote The victim was reportedly involved in a verbal altercation with her boyfriend when she reportedly locked herself in the bedroom." Flores reported hearing the slide of the pistol, followed by a gunshot. He then reportedly found Harer on the floor behind the bedroom door with a gunshot wound to her head. Flores also reportedly attempted to provide aid to the victim at the scene. Mm-mm. They both put that in their report. Oh, no, no. They both did. No, no. He didn't provide aid. He no. never at any point in time said that he provided aid. No. He said he lifted her head. That's not aid. That's not aid. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so he was the only member of the Illinois State Police summoned to the apartment that day. Um, he makes no mention of his training expertise or how many crime scenes he crime scenes he has investigated as a blood stain analysis because that's what he was there for. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that's common that they put in the reports, like how they start him off, maybe. Yeah. Um. So he says, uh, quote, the victim, while standing in an offset area of the bedroom near the door facing east, suffered a perforating contact gunshot wound to the right side of the head. The bedroom door was closed, either completely or mostly. Hmm. I thought the door was locked. Hmm. I thought it was locked. Yeah. But now your blood, your blood spatter analysis is saying it might have been open? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Things that uh, make you go, hmm. Yeah, which was either completely closed or mostly evident by the bloodstain patterns located on the bedroom side of the door. So the door was locked. Uh, the size of the offset area, along with the bloodstain patterns present and bullet trajectory, I can't say that word, suggests that the victim was standing alone in the bedroom offset area at the time of the incident. Hmm. So... I want to put, I'll put this picture up somewhere. We'll make sure we get it up. So yeah. there's a picture of um, blood transfer on the wall, which makes sense where her head would be. Um, who shut the lights off? Who who turned the lights on and off? Hmm. There's blood all over the light switch. Is there really? It's 830 in the morning. You can't see? 
Yeah. Who touched it? Hmm. Maybe when he was squeezing through the door, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Um, so then he talks about how they found the 25 individual stains on his sweatshirt, uh, the one to eight millimeters in diameter. Um, even though the 911 call obviously made it clear that he didn't perform CPR, they state they both stated multiple times in their report that he attempted to uh, provide aid and was in contact with the victim during moments after sustaining her injury. Quote, due to the dynamics of the incident and the variability involving blood saturation into the clothing, the manner in which the blood was deposited onto the sweatshirt cannot be determined. What? Oh, boy. Now, the only way that I would believe that is if he actually did do CPR. Yeah. It happens. Blood comes out. It goes everywhere. Yeah, it spews everywhere. You didn't do CPR. Even if you lifted her head, did you squish it while you lifted it up? Or did you just drop it back down on the ground? Because that's the only explanation. Even that wouldn't cause blood spatter. If she's on the ground and you're on your knees. Yeah. So, again, he has gunshot residue on him. She has none on her. Naked. I keep going back to the naked because... So she's fighting with him naked? She gets up and has this whole argument with him naked? Doesn't make sense to me. It does. Her being nude makes no fucking sense. None. So she sleeps in the nude. Awesome. But she got up. Right. She got up and started having an argument with him. Maybe she was getting ready to take a shower or something. (sighs) Well... So they end up getting her phone. He says at one point they get into, she's up and out of bed because she throws her phone at him and tells him to leave. Yeah. Um, four, was it four minutes? I'll have to look at the time. I believe it was at 813. Mm-hmm. There were two Google searches on her phone. How to shoot yourself in the head. Where to, or excuse me, where to shoot yourself in the head, and I survived a gunshot wound to the head. Okay, but she didn't have her phone. She threw it. She threw it. She threw it. And then slammed the door. So let's, devil's advocate. She has her phone. You you need to Google? Right. where, Where to shoot yourself in the head? Right. She's tactically trained with weapons. Right. She's a 911 dispatcher. She had to Google where to fucking shoot herself in the head. Or you're a cop and you know that phones They're gonna are going to look be, at the yeah, phone. Phones are going to be checked. Huh. Hmm. So figure. they also speculate that all of the text messages with her with uh, that they said in totality could make a suicide note. Yeah. They think he did it. I could believe that. Because, supposedly, this conversation was being had between the 12th and the 13th of February. Mm-hmm. He had her phone the whole fucking time. Uh, she took 12 Xanax, remember? She was sleeping. That's right. So how was she texting him? That's right. How, how was she texting him that she's going to kill herself when she's sound Dude, the fuck asleep? All these questions. What is the state's attorney doing? Nothing. Like, what? Hello? Nothing. <laughs> yes. Hello? Yes. So now it's 
they announced that it's it's a suicide. That's it. I I didn't understand how they went to her parents the day after mm. and said we really think we're going to deem this a suicide. But then there was still a, a ten month long investigation apparently yeah. before they closed it. Is that normal for a suicide? No, no. <laughs> not at all. If you think foul play is involved, then yeah. The other thing, too, that I brought up to you that I didn't understand, the only mention of the task force is that interview of him. That's it. That's all they did? Then they're gone. Wow. They're never fucking mentioned again. Wow. So now, would Shanahan be able to be like, cool, we don't need you guys anymore? Yeah. Now, could the task force be like, fuck you, we're staying? <laughs> I know my boss. I, I know yours would. Yeah. I mean. I, I don't know about this task force, but I know my bosses would. But there, there's no. If they started it, I mean. Right. And I mean, they obviously did it. because they interviewed him. It was task force members that interviewed the neighbors. And then they're gone. So they get. Um conflicting information from him and they get information from the neighbors that kind of point towards him and yeah. all of a sudden they're gone poof they're gone poof. Yeah. poof i i don't poof gone poof poof so i i have so many questions i i have so many motherfucking questions so the lawsuits they had one. Shanahan, you know, got out of it. Crest Hill got out of it. Now in, um, was it March? So Crest Hill at at some point was like, all right, well, we got to figure out what the fuck we're doing with this guy. Yeah. So on March um, 20, March 20th, they sent him a letter and say, in six days, we are having a hearing. Mm-hmm. The hearing is going to include this person, this person, this person, this person. Probably the and, police and fire commission. Right. We are going to ask you questions specifically related to the death of Samantha Herrer. Yeah. So the hearing is scheduled for March 26th. He doesn't show up. March 28th, he turns in a three-line typed letter to Crest Hill Police Department of his immediate resignation. So he didn't go through the hearing, so he can still be a fucking police officer. He can still be a fucking police officer. Is he a police officer somewhere? I have no fucking idea. God forbid if if I cannot find where he is. I I can't find any... I mean, Phil and Philippe Flores, unfortunately, is a relatively common name on Google, apparently. I can't find anything. But yes, because he did not go through that disciplinary hearing... There's no mark on his record. He can be a cop anywhere he wants to be a cop. God forbid. Mm. So, can you even imagine if he was a fucking police officer somewhere? Oh my God, if I was on his shift, dude, stay the fuck away from me. If, If I can find out if he's still an officer and where he's an officer at... I will start making fucking phone calls. Yeah, I'll go start too. knocking on fucking doors. I will too. And be like, well, can somebody explain this to me? Mm-hmm. Can he explain this to me? Yeah, that's... 
So we have a 23-year-old girl who is dating a 30-something-year-old man who's manipulative and naked. I can't get over the naked. She's not going to shoot herself naked. She's just not going to. He changes his story about the door three separate times. He says he opened the door with a key when, as a cop, you're going to kick the door open. Mm -hmm. Your girlfriend tells you she took 12 Xanax, which she clearly did not, which they could prove with the pill bottle, and you left her weapon in front of her. Right. Right in the open. Yeah. Anybody with any kind of gun training, um, self-defense, anything along those lines, knows that it, there's going to be a round chamber. You're, it's going to be, if it's for self-defense, you're going to use it. Mm-hmm. So now the next question, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Um, I probably won't. I'll probably talk about it again some other time. No one ever asked him, did she pull the gun on you? Right. Was that gun out for self-defense from you? Right. Were you guys actually arguing? And she pulled the gun out? Yeah. Or did you pull it out? Because the only rational explanation for her still being nude that I could see is that she was laying in bed arguing. He threatened her. She hopped up out of bed and grabbed the gun. That is literally the only explanation I can think of her remaining in the nude. Right. Nobody ever asked. Did she point it at you? And you think, you would think one of the detectives would. You would think that. uh, And they didn't. So it comes out later on that, so her DNA is on the gun, obviously. It's her gun. Yeah. Why is his DNA on the gun? Oh my God. He didn't shoot her. He wasn't even in the room when she shot herself. Why is his DNA on the gun? State's attorney. Because she fucking pointed it at him and he... Hello? Yeah. Perhaps because she pointed it at him and he pulled it out of her hands and fucking shot her? Hmm. Hmm. Things that make you go hmm. So, he has gunshot residue. She doesn't. His DNA is on the gun. She has a pulse. He refuses to do CPR. He's full of shit on the radio. He doesn't fucking talk to anybody. You would think you would want to, I mean, if you didn't do anything wrong. I, I 100% understand retaining an attorney. Right. I would. Oh, yeah, I would Regardless, too. that would be the first thing I would fucking do. Yeah. But you retain an attorney and you cooperate. Yeah. Y- you, you cooperate. You want your name cleared? You talk to the police and get your name cleared. Yep. He did not. Mm. I, this in, one's crazy, in my heart of hearts, I think that. He confronted her. She was she was in bed. He confronted her. He said when he got to her house, he he went and said hello and kissed her forehead. She got up and peed and yeah. went back to bed. And then he made a sandwich. That's bullshit. Yeah, he was hungry. He made a sandwich. Um, I think he picked a fight with her. I think she got up, grabbed her gun, pointed her gun at him, and he overpowered her, took the gun, and shot her. Yeah. That's what I think. It's... A strong theory. The door's gone. Yeah, which blows Go- my mind. It's a fucking door. What, did you just throw it out? <laughs> so, like, the swab, okay. The swab, it's very small. Yeah. It's in a Ziploc baggie. Okay. The door, a whole ass fucking door? Yeah. It's just gone? It's just gone. 
doesn't make sense. None of this fucking makes sense. No. Nope. None of it. It's a shame. None of it makes sense. But I, I hope this gets out to as many people as possible, you know, for her sake. I, oh my God. But. There's, there's so, I, I know we're at like two hours. Yeah, we got to wrap this up. There's so, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a part two by myself. So. I'll be in on Because there's, it. there's, oh my God. There's so much. And I feel like I was erratic and didn't go in order like I should have. And I moved around a lot. And yeah. maybe we'll do a, a, a short mini, if you will, timeline episode of it. Okay. Um, but in all seriousness, if anybody knows where the fuck he's at, shoot me an email. Because I'm curious. I'm yeah. curious as to what he's doing nowadays. Yeah. Because there's there's no mark on his record. So even if they if he a potential employer calls Crest Hill, they cannot tell them. He could be a copper in another state. Hundred fucking percent. Yeah. So if anybody knows where he's at, let me know. But I think we might do a part two. Possibly. I'll do it. If Mark can sit and listen if he wants. But sure. I want to go through and give a better timeline. Um but I, I'll say it as opinion so I don't get sued for anything. I think he killed her. I don't think she killed herself. I don't think any fucking piece of evidence in this case points to her shooting herself. It was a terrible fucking investigation from it the just, get-go. He's, he's covered in blood and gunshot residue, and she's not. It's, and it's the little things, too. Like, he didn't cover her up. Right. You you love her. You love this woman. And you're so upset that she talks to other men, but you're going to let all these guys in and see her fucking naked? Right. Really? I put fucking shorts on you before the paramedics got here. Yeah. And they don't care if your wang's hanging out. Right. I made sure it wasn't because I knew you would be embarrassed. And he didn't cover her up? God, I want to punch this guy in the fucking face. <laughs> I do. <sighs> all right. This was a... Uh... This was a good one. It was close to home. I'm angry now. Oh, don't be angry. I'm angry. No, hopefully some good will will come from it. Yeah. Eventually. Because I'm, it, full disclosure, I'm going to keep talking about it until something happens. Yeah. I don't care. No, I, I, I agree. I, something, need, something needs to happen. There, there's, there's no excuse for it. There's no reason for it. The state's attorney is not involved in any way, shape, or form. Which is ridiculous. They need to be. Yeah. They need to be. So. Well, this was good, babe. We went a little long, so we got to. Yeah, and I'm sorry I was all over the place, but I'm mad. And we almost <laughs> caught the house on fire. Yeah. So, I mean, We almost that. died. Which, I mean, funny for you guys, because we don't edit. Yeah. So. Wonder how it sounds. You'll like. hear the sizzle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tried pausing it in time, but... Oh, my... It was crackling. Yeah, you guys are going to hear that. It was, yeah. like, crackling and shit. Yeah, we almost died. <laughs> you didn't fucking move. I know. <laughs> Terry, Terry! Back up! <laughs> you would have just been like, huh. Yeah. All right. So well, the... then it started up again, and we both just stared I at know, it. I like, know, and I'm thinking, this fuck. is how I'm going to go. God. The votive started on <laughs> fire. Lynn would be pissed. I know. After all the hard work she did. 
All right. So real quick, um, Fox is airing our thing March 14th Yeah. on the 9 uh, p.m. news. Yep. Fox Chicago. Um, other than that, I don't know. I got to take my contacts on my fucking eyeballs. Our next episode will be a Patreon exclusive. And it's a request. It's a request. It's going to be a good one. Um, not very talked about. Not very talked about at all. Mm-mm. But when you guys see or, or hear. It's we, bonkers. Yeah. And so. It's, it's a good case. So. Yeah. But you'll have to sign up to be a Patreon. And I hear. promise it won't be like nine days. <laughs> No, no. This one just more information kept coming. Oh my god! And, you know, but we had to put this out today. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you very much, and we will be talking to you very soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>